Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to John chapter 12. I want to look at this a little deeper and, and, and get into our message. The title of my message today is Planted, Not Buried. Planted, Not Buried. And, um, you know, Easter is full of miracles. It's full of miracles. It's a miracle that your husband can get dressed up. He can prove it to you today. Might have put on a jacket, might have put on a tie, did a little extra today. I think the greatest miracle is that my son that can spend an hour and a half looking for shoes that he just took off two hours ago can find 37 Easter eggs in five minutes. Don't tell me you can't clean up your room because you just cleaned up this yard finding stuff that you didn't even know where it was. I don't want to hear another word about why there's shoes everywhere and there's toys everywhere. You can clean it up. Amen? You tell your kids, you can find that many Easter eggs. You can find your toys. You can clean it up. Hallelujah. Full of miracles. John chapter 12 and there again looking in Verse 23, he says, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces. If it dies, it produces. It sounds like it's contradicting itself. It doesn't sound like it makes any sense that something that could die could actually produce. Something that is taken away could actually be adding to your life. But this is really the, uh, the crux of the word of God and the crux of, of Jesus's ministry was, was trying to show how God operates and how God works in people's lives. And God is a God that always begins in the same place. God doesn't start halfway um, you know, when, when you come into the earth, when you are given life, no one comes in at full maturation or, or even, you know, at adolescence. Uh, uh, you, you come in, we all come into this world as a baby. God always starts in the beginning. And the first thing that we have to know, the first point that I want to make to you today is that God always begins with a seed. God always begins with the seed. And this is an interesting dynamic because so many times uh, we are looking for a tree. So many times we're looking for the blessing of God or the work of God or, or, or the power of God to operate in our lives in completed form. In the final stage, we, we want God to give us a marriage uh, in, in, in all fruition of what we know a godly marriage can look like. God uh, 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 does not give us anything in tree form, in mature form. He gives us a seed and then he asks you to work the seed. God always starts with the seed. And I can tell you many times we overlook what is in our hand because we don't see what's inside of it. There's no difference between a seed and a tree. 
In fact, if you really looked at them the same way, you would recognize that the, the tree is actually inside of the seed. It's called potential. It's called potential. If you actually go back to the beginning, go back to Genesis uh, chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 and uh, verse 11, we know that Genesis 1 is the beginning of time, it's creation, Uh, it's where we have a record of the creation that God put in place, it's the creation of the world, and in Genesis uh, chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, and let's look at verse 11, Genesis chapter 1. Amen. We want to see how God does his work, how God brings forth his harvest. And in verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit. Now watch this. These are important words. According to its kind. According to its kind, whose seed is in itself. So we got to understand a couple of things. Number one, the seed is in itself. The seed is contained within the thing that produces the seed. It's in there. And the second thing we have to see is that the seed always produces or reproduces according to its kind. What's that mean? That means I cannot take an orange seed and get an apple tree. Right? Means I can't take a cotton seed and get peanuts. No, it's going to produce after what? After its kind. Well, then you jump on down to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. It's interesting to note that God, again, has created something that came from him and it looks like him. We have, uh, man was created in Genesis chapter one with a divine nature. That doesn't mean that you are God. You're not a substitute for God, but you are an extension of God. You need to understand that. You're not a substitute for God. You don't stand in place of God. I'm not calling the shots. I'm not doing whatever I want. I'm doing according to what the king says, what God says. God is ruler. God is creator. And I am his by right of creation. He created me. He put me here with a purpose. But my purpose is only prosperous as I follow him. My purpose is only fulfilled. My purpose is only fruitful as long as I remain in submission to him. I'm not a stand-in for God. I am an extension of him. So I don't speak uh, on my own initiative. I don't do what I want to do. I don't go where I want to go. I don't say what I want to say. I am operating in line with what the king says. I've been sent on his behalf. I've been sent. On his behalf. And so he says, uh, verse 28 So God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and 
Subdue it. Notice God's instruction. Think about this. Of all the instruction that God could give to this man that he places in the earth, of all the the instructions, of all the directions, of all the things that he could lay out and say, this is why I've created you, and this is what is so important, and this is the, the, the goal I'm trying to accomplish. Of all things, he says, fill the earth, subdue it, be fruitful, and multiply the first thing he speaks to man is, is this matter of reproduction. See, you weren't just merely born, you were reproduced. And a reproduction means that you have to fall in line with what you came from. Reproduction doesn't mean I'm born, now, now I've got to figure out what I'm supposed to do. Or I, I can do whatever I want. And we tell our kids that. You can be anything you want. When you grow up, you can be anything you want. You can do anything you want. And that's not true. I understand the intent behind it, that you're trying to break the the glass ceiling, so to speak. You're trying to take the limitations and barriers off. But, 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 But unfortunately, what we've lost sight of is the fact that there's one assignment for my life that I can be successful in. There's one thing I've been assigned to do that is within me, the seed, and the seed can only produce after its kind. The seed can only, so there's one thing before me that I can be effective with, that I can be purposeful with, that, that my potential will, will surround. And unless I'm, the, the, the worst thing in the world is to be busy and not effective. To be busy, but not effective. To be busy, but not effective. To be successful in the wrong assignment. To be successful in man's eyes, but unsuccessful in God's eyes. Why? Because there's there's a purpose. There's an assignment. There's a direction. There's an instruction. He's giving an instruction. He says, be fruitful. That means reproduce, multiply, that there should be more coming from you, that it does not stop with you, that you should be giving birth to, you should be reproducing more that comes after you. But now there's a problem. Two chapters later, we don't get very far. Just two chapters later, Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve sin. Adam and Eve blow it. And this is what happens. The seed becomes contaminated. See, Adam and Eve at that point were instructed to what? Reproduce. And they would reproduce according to what? Their own kind. So they would go from God to Adam and Eve. And then from Adam and Eve, anything that was reproduced or produced from them to be reproduced means that it has to fall in line with what it came from. So they would have been holy. They would have been righteous. They would have been in right standing. They would have been perfect, just like Adam and Eve were perfect. But now sin has entered and sin has diluted. Sin has contaminated the seed. Sin has come in. So now look at uh, uh, Genesis chapter three. Let's step on over there. Give you a little bit of a history lesson before we break this down and See what we're looking at. So now this seed is contaminated. The seeds become diluted with sin. So now Adam and Eve will only produce what? Sinful man, because the law is it has to reproduce after its kind. Adam and Eve no longer have the capability, no longer have the ability to reproduce holy, righteous, perfect people any longer. Their seed from there on out, 
The Bible tells us in Romans that, that we have all entered into this world through sin because of the one that sinned, Adam. The seed has been contaminated. But look at what God says in Genesis chapter 3. Let's start with verse uh, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. Why would a perfect person hide from what they were created from, what they were reproduced from? Because they're no longer the same. They recognize that I came from you, but now I'm not living up to what you put in me. Now I have allowed something else in my life that is contrary to you. And so now they're hiding. Now they're ashamed. Now they're condemned. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy wants to bring in shame. He wants to bring in guilt, wants to bring in condemnation. The enemy wants to to, to bring in things to what? Keep you separate from what you were intended to be. That's what he wants to do. Your purpose is derailed now because the seed cannot fulfill the assignment it was originally given because there has been contamination brought in that limits it to fulfill and function according to how God designed it to be. And so they hide. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you, you were naked. It's amazing when you allow yourself to operate against what God created, what God put in you, what God designed you to be. You'll start noticing things. You'll start seeing things. Your your whole perspective changes. You no longer see potential. You see limitation. You no longer see righteousness. You see shame. their, Their perspective has changed. Now they're all of a sudden seeing things that they'd never seen before. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And God never asks a question that he's actually asking for the answer to. Okay? He's not asking saying, what's going on here? He's asking to get them to respond favorably. But verse 12, then the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. He blamed it on the woman right there. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said to the serpent, or said the serpent, uh, the serpent deceived me and I Eight, so the Lord God said to the serpent, now he's talking to the serpent, watch this. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, watch this, between you and the woman and between your what? Seed and her what? Seed. Now, in my Bible and on this screen here, the second seed is capitalized. See, what happened was God took a seed, put it in the ground, wanted it to reproduce according to its kind. The seed became contaminated. But watch this. This is what Easter is all about. This is what resurrection is all about. God had another seed. 
And he said, I've got a seed that will make you righteous again. But I've got to put the seed in the ground. I have to, God always starts with the seed. People ask, well, why didn't Jesus come right away? Why didn't God just take us all to heaven? Why didn't he do this? Why? Because he always starts with a seed and then it's what you do with the seed that determines the harvest you get. He pulls out another seed and he says, I've got another seed, a righteous seed, a holy seed, a blameless seed, a perfect seed, a seed without spot or wrinkle, a seed without blemish, a seed that hasn't blown it, a seed that hasn't missed it, a seed that only knows goodness, a seed that will obey me, a seed that will follow me, a seed that will do what I tell it to do, a seed. And when you put the seed according to the law, when you put the seed in the ground, it what? produces after its kind. As long as that seed remains uncontaminated. And so Jesus what? Lived a perfect life. Jesus what? Obeyed the Father. Jesus what? Kept the, 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 the law and kept the word of God and kept his relationship with God in front of him ever so urgent, ever so intentional with his life so that he would not allow the seed to become contaminated, that he would not allow the seed to become destroyed, that he would, because anything that follows that seed will only produce after its kind. We know we know that Jesus lived a perfect life. We know that Jesus walked this earth, never sinned. We know that Jesus walked this earth and he never blew it. We know that he always remained in alignment with his father. Kept that before him. And so that's why he says in John chapter 12. See, the thing you have to understand about Jesus, the second point I wanna make is that Jesus wasn't sent. He was sown. Jesus wasn't sent, he was sown, he was sown. See, it's one thing, it's one thing to give someone a gift because when you give someone a gift, you know, technically there's nothing that you're expecting to receive in return. That's why it's a gift. That's why it's a gift. But Jesus wasn't a gift. Jesus was something that was given to us so that we could produce something with our lives. There is, there is an expect. If you tell me that Jesus is a free gift and that there's nothing that I need to do in return for him, then you stand before Jesus and say, oh, I thought it was just a free gift. I didn't know I actually had to do anything with it. I didn't know I actually had to apply what he was leading me and directing me and, and, and shepherding me to do. He's the great shepherd. So now there's something that he's expecting in return. There's something that God is saying, now when I come back, this is what I want. And, 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 and Jesus tells a parable and he says, to one I gave five, to one I gave two, to one I gave one. The five went and traded and he produced five more. The one with two went and traded, he produced two more. The one with one just said, oh, I, 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 this is yours. I didn't know I was supposed to do anything with it. I didn't know I was supposed to work it. Come on, there's an expectation that we are to produce something based upon what was sown. God does not, God never sows without an expectation. God never sows 
without an expectation. God never puts a seed in the ground without expecting something in return. Because John, again, John chapter 12 tells us. John chapter 12. I want to read this in the, um, I believe it's in the, the New Living. John chapter 12. Going back there, verse 23. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, let me make sure I'm in the right one. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is what? Planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels. Many new kernels. The expectation when you sow something is that it will reap you something. The expectation is when you sow and you put seed in the ground, there is no farmer that will sow with no expectation of harvest. Well, you know, if it comes, it comes. Well, let's see what it does. No, what do they do? They have an expectation. They have an urgency behind what? Taking care of the seed, taking care. So it does what? It produces more of what they're planting. It's called multiplication. That is what God had in place. When, he, when Jesus came to this earth, Jesus was not coming to this earth to show us how to live good. Jesus did not come to this earth, let me tell you, to die on a cross for your sins. That was not his purpose. That was his assignment. And dying on the cross and removing the guilt and shame of sin and the power of sin, God did not come to this earth, send his son, Jesus, to this earth to die on a cross so that you could just always ask for forgiveness of sin. He gave you the power to overcome sin. Grace is the power to live above sin, to overcome it, that I don't have to live according. I don't, I'm not stuck with this and, okay, God, bail me out. The cross is not a bail out plan. It's not a get out of jail free card. The cross is I have broken the power of sin over your life and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's the power of the cross. And let me tell you this. The resurrection of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the rising again of Jesus is all just a great story if it doesn't do something for you. It's just another story. This just becomes another history book, even if it is true. It's not, the, it's not just the truth of it happening, but it's the truth of what it does for you as a believer. And your, your, your goal be, being a believer and becoming a Christian is accepting the fact that because he rose again, I can rise again. Because that seed was sown and it was reaped back. I am what God was expecting to get in return. Are you hearing me? When you pray that prayer of salvation, that's what God was expecting to say. There it is. There's my harvest. That's what I'm reaping because I put the seed in the ground. The seed was sown. The seed had to die so that it could produce more. And you are the more. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you are the more. Look at them. You are the more. 
You are the more. You're the increase. You're the harvest. You are what God saw when Jesus was dying on that cross. When he went in that tomb, you are what he saw. A life with purpose. A life that is alive. A life that that can now bring glory to God. Now here's the thing. A seed always produces after its kind. A perfect seed went in the ground. A perfect seed went in the ground. So if I can just for a moment break a traditional religious thought process. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord, not just Savior. Savior is what he did, but Lord is who he is. Lord means supreme in authority. Lord means in control. Lord means he's the manager. Lord means he calls the shots. Lord means I wake up and I say, okay, God, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do through this employment? What do you want me to do with these kids? What, how do you want me to do this? How do you want me to use that? All, all my resources belong to you. You tell me how to use them and I'll use them according to your purpose and he will make sure you will never be without. That's making Jesus Lord of your life. But I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Wait, if you've made Jesus Lord, you can't call an apple an orange. If you planted an apple tree, it will produce apples. If, if God planted a perfect Jesus in the ground, he is not getting back sinners saved by grace. He's not getting diluted, imperfect seed. He's not getting back fruit that is contaminated. He's getting back perfect fruit. He's getting back righteous fruit. He's getting back holy fruit. He's getting back blameless fruit. He's getting back fruit that will stand before him as a righteous church. He said, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, righteous unto your God. Uh, uh, Paul said, I am now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who he is. That's how you have to see yourself. And so when you come back and you are born again, why do I need to be born again? Because my first birth was contaminated. My first birth sinned. My first birth was a sinner. When I came into this earth, I came in according, uh, being reproduced according to what? The seed of Adam. And Adam's seed is what? Sinful. But God put a perfect seed in the ground. I love that all the way at the beginning in Genesis chapter three, he points to and says, I got another seed. I got a seed. You don't put seed in the ground and expect it to produce whatever you want. You have an expectation that it will produce according to its kind. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm a believer. I said, I'm a believer. I am righteous. I am holy. I am pure. 
Do I miss it? Sure. Do I blow it? Sure. Do I have challenges and struggles? Sure. But I have a God that sees me as righteousness. And when I receive the forgiveness for my sins and I come before him, he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from what? Unrighteousness. I'm cleansed from unrighteousness. Some of us are too busy trying to be a Christian to be Christians. We're trying. There's no try. An apple doesn't have to try to be an apple. It is an apple. There's no try in that. There's no try. Try not to sin. Just don't sin. Just follow what the word says. Live according to his purpose. His plan is so much better. His ways are so much better. And he made a way. He, when he put Jesus in the ground as a seed, he expected a harvest. Now, this is the thing I want you to see. It's not until the seed dies that it produces. It's not until the seed dies that it produces. It's interesting I see LaDon and Rebecca back there with their two beautiful new twins back in church. Glad to have you back. You made it. You look amazing. The girls look amazing. Beatrice and Bertha. That's not really their names. I'm just joking. Somebody's looking over at their husband saying, they named them Beatrice and Bertha. Sophie and Selah. Sophie and Selah, and I remember uh, in the hospital, and then I think even when we went and visited them back at home, I asked LaDonna, I said, now how, how do you tell the two apart? How do you know who's who? And of course, with the fatherly and motherly instincts that they're blessed with, they just know. But I don't have that gift. You need to tell me which one's Sophie and which was Selah. You need to point them out for me because I need to know. Why? Because the two things look the same. Planting and burying can look the same. How do I tell the two apart? Was Jesus buried in that grave? Or was he planted? See, when you bury something, you put it in the ground, beneath dirt, hidden, out of sight, out of mind, just like that one Servant that was given the one talent, he what? He went and he buried it. He buried it. The difference between planting and burying is what you're putting in the ground. See, the grave was meant to contain death. The grave was meant to hold something that has died and to keep it in a place for memorial where you could go back and remember and you could go back and and celebrate what it was. But when you put something in the ground and you plant it, there's an expectation of a future, not just the past. There's an expectation of what it has yet to do. And some of us are holding on to seeds, afraid to bury it 
And God is saying, I don't want you to bury the seed. I want you to plant the seed. See, here's the thing about the seed. It's not about what the seed is in. It's about what's in the seed. Is that too confusing? Let me try that again. It's not about what the seed is in. It's about what is in the seed. So now the dirt that was meant to confine, meant to restrict, meant to limit, was actually the very environment necessary to bring new life. The dirt is your struggles, your challenges, your pains, your failures. We've all got dirt. You didn't know it, but last week I was setting you up because there's a treasure in the dirt, but you don't get the treasure unless you buy the whole field. And to do so, you have to make an exchange. We said that value is always revealed in the exchange. You don't really value something until you give something up for it. You don't really have an honor and a value. You, you don't really care about what is in it until you it costs you something. Caring re, is revealed by the cost. Until it costs you something, you don't really have a value. But what you're willing to give up reveals the value. And so God had such a great value for you. He was willing to give up, make an exchange of his most precious gift, his most precious child, his one and only begotten son. He didn't have a bunch of sons and said, okay, I pick you, you come, you're going to be the ransom. No, he said, I've only got one. I've only got one son. This is the only thing that I only have one of. Think about that. He's got mountains everywhere, rivers, oceans everywhere, planets everywhere. He's got multiples of everything. And the one thing he had one of, he gave up for you. That reveals the value because what he was willing to exchange reveals the value for what he's getting in return. Does your investment reflect your expectation? If you have an expectation for something in your life, you've got to be willing to make an investment. And the greater the investment, the greater the expectation. The greater the investment that I make, the greater the expectation that I have of what I'm getting in return. There's things that we give up all the time. We even give up things that are valuable to us to get things in return that are not as valuable. That's why, you know, Sex before marriage is giving up something, but you're not getting something in return that's as valuable as what you're giving up. That's why it's supposed to be contained within the proximity of the marriage. There's things, there's all, all, all the time we're making exchanges with our life. But God made an exchange. I'm thankful he made an exchange. I'm thankful that he put the seed in the ground. And now you have seed. Now you have opportunities. And you want a tree, but he's saying, use the seed. Because what is not planted will never produce. What is not planted 
will never. Are you expecting a harvest from something that you're not willing to let go and put in the dirt and put in the ground and let it die? Let it dissolve, let it decay. Look, look, the, the dirt's a scary place. Obscurity is a scary place. You think about David out in that field, playing his harp, shepherding those sheep with a word of God on his life. You will one day be king over my people, over Israel. And the shepherd was what? The dirt. Nobody sees it, out of sight. But all the time, that was the very environment that God wanted him to be in that would allow him to grow and become the tree that God wanted him to be. Worship team, if you'd come. I'm asking you today, are you planted or are you buried? And I propose to you today that it's just a matter of perspective. It's a matter of how you see it. It's a matter of how you perceive the situations that are right in front of you, the opportunities that are right. Could the challenge be the very environment that God wants to use to grow you? I mean, out there in that field, he had to fight a bear, fight a lion, He had to fight his brothers. They didn't even invite him to the party when the prophet Samuel showed up. But all the while, he was in an environment that would allow him to grow and become the king he needed to be. What is God putting in you right now? And just as Jesus had to be a seed sown, what will you allow to be sown in your life? What will you allow? What will you, are you seeing a grave or are you seeing a field? Do you see a grave that just holds dead stuff? Because see, this is the thing. The dirt was not designed to bury you. The dirt is designed to birth you. The dirt's not meant to keep you under. The dirt is actually there to help you become, help you produce according to its kind. You say, well, I I just, I feel like a sinner. I feel like a failure. I feel, well, you feel like a lot of stuff when you're buried under dirt. There's a lot of stuff you feel, but God's working. God's moving. God's using those situations. God's using those trials. God's using what you thought was meant to keep you limited. He's actually using it to bring forth something that you didn't even know was inside you. And people look around and all they see is a seed. Oh, that's just a seed. You can discredit a seed real quick. People will discredit a seed a lot quicker than they'll discredit a tree until they recognize that the tree is in the seed. But the tree doesn't come out until the seed goes in. Until the seed goes in the ground. 
until the seed goes in the soil, until the seed goes in the environment. There's environments you've been avoiding. There's environments that you've been, 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 been pushing off. There's environments you've been saying, I don't want to go. That's, that's a messy situation. That's a messed up. I, I want out. Some of us want out. And see, this is the thing Jesus said. Now the time is, it has come for me to be glorified. You can't uproot a seed before it produces what's inside. Jesus even said that. There were opportunities where they had to kill Jesus, tried to push him off a cliff, tried to take him out, tried to stone him, but they never could, right? Never could do it. Why? Because it's not time for this thing to come out of the ground yet. But when three days came, when the third day showed up, when it came time for him to die and go in that grave and what everybody else thought was a funeral, what everybody thought was a burial, he's saying, no, 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 no. We're just getting started. See, seed time, when the seed goes in the ground, the, the, the farmer has an outlook that says, this is what I'm expecting. In due season, I will reap. In due season, I will produce. In due season, I will. Hey, it's not my time yet. I still got to stay here. I can't move on. I can't go here. I can't go there. I can't do what people want me to do. I've got to stay right here in place so that the dirt can continue moving. The dirt can continue working. The dirt can continue serving its purpose. All the junk in your life, God is saying it has purpose. All the dirty stuff in your life, He's saying, I'm using it. All the messed up stuff, all the failures and challenges, He said, that's the very thing I need to produce the harvest that I know is inside you because there is potential in the seed. Stand up with me. Stand up. got to break through. That plant has to break through the ground. That plant has to break. You, you don't want to avoid the trials. You want to break through the trials. You don't want to avoid the struggles. You want to endure. He said those that endure, those that remain in the dirt and they remain in that environment and they allow God to use all that stuff, he's going to use them. And you know what happens? The tree actually ends up influencing and impacting the dirt that it's in. Did you know that the tree actually brings life to the field? There was a parable that Jesus told where a master of a vineyard had a gardener. And he was out in his vineyard and he saw this tree that wasn't producing. It was in the ground, but it wasn't producing anything. So he goes to the gardener and he says, get that thing out of there. It's not producing. Why? Because if you don't produce in the environment God has you in, you'll end up becoming dead like the environment, contaminating the environment, not actually bringing life to it. But the gardener said what? I'm going to work on it. Give me another year. Because my God is gracious. Because my God is merciful. Because my God is patient. Because my God will come in and he'll say, let me, he says, let me work on it. What does he say? I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to get down into the mess. I'm going to get down into the dirt. I'm going to twirl it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use this dirt to actually bring life back to the thing so that it can return life back to the dirt. Look, I don't know what situation you're in today. 
If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord, if you haven't had the opportunity to become a seed after its kind, we can do that today. You need salvation. You need new life. You need to come into the kingdom of God. In fact, let's do that right now. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come down right now. I'm not counting to three, closing eyes, turning lights off. Come on down. You want it, you want new life. You want to become the seed after its time. You're no longer a sinner. So now I want to give everyone an opportunity. Since we're all seeds, after its kind, righteous, blameless. What is inside of you is greater than what's around you. What's inside the seed is greater than the dirt that's holding it in. But the dirt is necessary. So now I want to give you an opportunity to look at the dirt in your life. Look at the situation. What you saw as a problem, God saw as, as, as the very thing that's going to help grow you and develop you. What you saw as a challenge and a struggle and you keep saying, man, I wish I was done with this. I wish I was out of this. I wish this was over. I wish this would change. God is saying, I'm using it to change you. I'm using it to mold you. I'm using it to develop you because there's greatness on the inside of you. There's royalty on the inside of you. There's perfection on the inside of you. There's holiness on the inside of you. There's righteousness on the inside of you. God always speaks to your potential. Out of everything that's said today, if I could have you walk out of here with one thing, it would be know your worth. Know your potential. Know that what is on the inside of you is greater than what you are surrounded by, is greater than what is going on. And God has put you in that very soil, in that very environment to impact it. Quit resisting. Jesus and the story of the resurrection is proof that God believes in the seed. Romans chapter 8, last verse we'll look at. Romans chapter 8. You've got to see this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Why? Because until you die to yourself, can't live to him until you die that seed has to die that seed has to cast off everything that is about itself so that it can give way to new life what are the things you need to die to what are the things you need to cast off what are the things that you need to let go what are the things that you're trying to hold on to that God is saying until it dies I can't produce my harvest I can't produce what I know I've put inside of you so if Christ is in you, that's what's in the seed. The body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. So I die to the flesh. What's that mean? The ways of the world. The, the, the nature of my old man that wanted to sin, that wanted to do whatever pleased itself, that wanted to, to live however it wanted to. I die to those pleasures so I can take on God's purpose what's on the inside that counts 
But if the spirit of him, watch this, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So now, now, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus up out of the ground is now living with you and wants to produce God-likeness because a seed always produces after its kind. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that got Jesus up out of that grave lives in you. You can put down the ways of the flesh. You can put down the the desires and the pleasures of the world. You can cast those things off and now live according to righteousness because the spirit of him that raised Christ, if he can raise Christ literally out of a grave, he can raise you out of your mess, raise you out of your trial, raise you out of your struggle, raise you out of all the garbage that we have encountered in our lives. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It will cost you more to live according to your flesh than to kill the flesh to live according to the Spirit. It will cost you more. Look at verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. These are the what? Sons. The children. The sons of God. Because God had to sow a son to reap a son. God had to give a son to get many sons back in return. So you're a son of God. You're not a sinner. You're a son of God. You're a child of God. You've been redeemed. You've been restored. You've been bought. I wish somebody would help me rejoice. I wish somebody would help me know you're a child of the King. You're a child of the King. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.